Hello, my British colonialism conqueror of worlds and empire lover. Hello, my neo-empiricist. I think that's fair to say of the U.S., isn't it? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think we're picking up the torch and carrying it forward for the great British Empire that once was. So. I think the topic for today, I, I take it you watched the uh, Yuri Nemevev Nem uh, video. Um, keen to get your feedback and thoughts on it. I'm also keen to hear if you actually did watch Dinner in America. So you recommended to me a YouTube video, which shows an inter interview with Yuri Brezhnev, who was a defector from the USSR to America in the 80s. And in his interview, he talks about some of the psychological warfare which the USSR was... I'm not sure if they were actually putting, applying it to the American public, but they're certainly aware of the techniques for destabilizing the psyche of a nation. Do you think that's a fair summary? Anything to add? I, I think that's a fair summary, aside from you getting his name wrong. Uh, Yuri Bezmenov, as I remember it, and he was putting across, he's a former uh, KGB agent, which I think is now called FSB, of which Putin uh, was a lawyer in, um, but he was basically predicting or giving a warning uh, to America on the psychological aspect of you know what what could go wrong how they could destabilize the country and um everything else yeah i thought it was a good video if only for the 80s nostalgia of the attitudes and the um the worries of the time you could feel the tension in the studio as this guy was talking and uh but i found it interesting in lots of ways one seeing his delivery two seeing how the man thought and uh, presented his ideas, and it also gave me some pretty high-altitude, deep thoughts as well about um, society as a whole, namely what marks a successful society. I'd like to get your thoughts on that later on. Anyhow, what did you think of the interview? Uh, I thought I thought the interview was, uh, it's, you know, interesting as an understatement for what the guy was talking about and how deep these um covert operations of the different empires actually think and how they plan out these psychological you know they call it psyops operations how actually deep these guys think um about different areas and how empires survive and fall um i just it's just it's just funny to go back and look at it now and say hey actually a lot of the stuff the guy said resonates in today's world yeah some of what he said rang true some of it was a bit too vague to say whether it was the case today or not or maybe a lot of what he was saying was just stuff that's been practiced through the centuries and we all know anyhow misinformation, propaganda, demoralization, siege mentality, all the rest of it. Maybe what he was saying wasn't all that new. Um, 
One thing that really strikes true, though, is him saying the U.S. thinks it's living in a time of peace. It's not. It is living in wartime. That's very true. And I suppose even, even if a nation, and you can look at Norway, Sweden, Scandinavian in this way, that seem to be living under this wonderful blanket of safety and peace for so many decades, really all the all the, the, the less the less well-off neighbors are always chipping away in one way or another um so i think it's fair to say that yeah all nations are in in a, in, a, in under a war footing at all times but as yuri says they just don't know it well i th- i think you're correct and i'll i'll take the the last point you said i think this is something the general public doesn't understand or doesn't know about and it's under this false illusion of uh, peace and prosperity in the last 30 to 60 years. But, in, you know, in fact, the Cold War never ended. The Russian Empire uh, never went away. The American Empire hasn't gone away. They are two bulls knocking heads. And it's just been uh, under the covers for the last 30 to 60 years after the end of the world war you know world war ii but the russian federation um and you can see putin's line of thinking of especially with the war in ukraine right now of him trying to cobble this back together and pushing back on uh the western world nato um you know, Israel, all these sort of stable Christian national traditions. Um, and and it's sort of funny that the general public just doesn't understand any of this. Uh, what do they say? Fat, dumb, and happy? Keep, keep, keep the public fat, dumb, and happy? Or as Jack Nicholson said, you have the luxury of not knowing what I know. And then later on, he says, uh, you live under, what is it? A duvet of the blanket of the very freedom that I provide. (laughs) Yeah, general population, don't trouble yourself. Let the government get on with it, which is kind of the way it should be. But I wish that uh, population, like you said, would acknowledge it. And I'm not saying I'm any expert in it, but at least to be aware of its existence is not a bad thing. Coming to a couple of points you said, though, the USSR, yeah, it didn't dissolve. It just got divvied out to very powerful career criminals, didn't it? But the I, I was reading something. I heard somebody commenting that in order for the USSR to feel safe, it needs those border countries from Ukraine stretching up to Poland. That there's something like a geographical buffer or something they provide. And so until they have those countries, they don't feel safe. There have been murmurings, though, that, you know, Putin felt pushed into this by NATO. Now, I know this is a bit of a heavy topic right now, but do you have any info on that? Some commentators say NATO overstepped the mark by trying to pull Ukraine into the European way of life. And so it was a provocation on Putin and it did go beyond kind of the calm agreement. Any thoughts on that? Well, uh, a few thoughts come to mind. Um, I, if you look back in history and look at the Minsk Accords and understand, you know, what Reagan did with, I think it was Gorbachev, um, 
in Cuba in pulling out and saying, hey, uh, nuclear arms reductions. Um, but, you know, NATO hasn't held true to their word of encroaching on Russian borders and Russia sees Ukraine much like in World War II, the breadbasket of Europe with their grain, food exports, fertilizer, etc. Um, what what Russia really wanted was, hey, don't don't encroach, don't get on our border, don't do this stuff. And uh, if Ukraine had just simply said, hey, we're not going to join NATO, we're not going to. Uh, be part of this Western coalition uh, to infringe on Russia's um, sovereign status, then I don't think any of this would have happened. I think what happened, yeah, I do think NATO encroached. I think we've pushed the war. I think after our pullout of Afghanistan, the military-industrial complex needed a, a never a new never-ending war and this is it and they're funneling billions and billions and billions of dollars to a country that has no chance of success against russia and so you know it's not going to be the collapse of russia it's not going to be the fall of the american empire it's just business as usual and who knows where it goes and how many countless lives will be lost. The EU's encroachment into Ukraine is absolutely correct. I remember about 10 years ago. I mean, no, I, God, how much do people know of Ukraine before all of this? Not a lot. I think there was a very popular book out, which was uh, Tractor Maintenance in the Ukraine, which was uh, a real good one. And it, showed people a little bit about that agri agricultural nation of years gone by but not a lot of people knew much about ukraine and then suddenly on tv there were these adverts uh sponsored by the eu saying what was it uk okay uk or something like that ukraine is coming ukraine you ukraine or something like that but it was a big publicity thing about uh, hey ukraine is soon going to be part of the eu so look at opportunities which um china did that recently with taiwan you know almost saying hey soon taiwan is going to be part of uh china so take a look at the properties you could buy massively insulting and it was a huge advertising campaign and then it kind of just dropped off you know it ran for a few months and then it just went silent when I think they realized that they were really winding up the Russians in the wrong way. But as for the never-ending war, as you say, it's so depressing, isn't it? And yet, when you have all these billions of pounds, and it is a you know a trillion-dollar industry which runs around the world, yeah, you need new customers, and the Ukraine is it. Really sad that uh, you say they don't stand a chance there. Um, which is funny, because we only get the good messages here in the Western press about how well the, the plucky Ukrainians are doing against the Russians. Do you think that's not the case? I, I, I don't remember those commercials, but the way you talk about it, it, it makes complete sort of psychological sense of that they've been setting this thing up for a long time. And uh, yeah, I don't think the Ukraine stand a chance. I think the 
the war is not going to end in the foreseeable future. Most likely it's going to lead to the destruction of Ukraine. And, you know, people say, oh, it's going to weaken Russia by yeah, excessive exertion of forces and sanctions. But, you know, that's all bullshit. The, um, the question is, you know, what goals should we set in, in this sort of situation? And why, why are we doing what we're doing? And what is, you know, what is the big problem? I take your point about China and Taiwan as well. I mean, it's only a matter of time before China takes Taiwan. Let's be honest. And, you know, the Russians are now setting a precedent of, hey, U.S., whatever you think you are, uh, we're not up for it. And I think the whole Eastern Asian land is sort of behind Russia going, yeah, this is bullshit. We're not going to be controlled by the U.S. anymore. Well, you say, what goals should we set? I think you stated it in your previous message, which was a never-ending war. You know, it's uh, far away from the U.S. They can sustain it in a sad way. It's far away enough from the U.K. to be immediately concerned about it as well. Also equally sad. So uh, I think that's <laughs> when it comes to what we want to achieve, I think they're achieving it, just dragging it on. As for the Taiwan-China, that's a whole separate conversation that needs to be had in the future. But I want to bring it back to the interview with Yuri. And as I was watching it, you know, I was evaluating, should we be listening to this guy? I mean, he's put himself on the public stage, which is already dubious. You know, the guy's after publicity, etc. But regardless of the character of the man, the one thing it did make me wonder is, well, he's coming from one nation saying that the US is a failing nation. What do you think are the metrics which defines a successful nation? Is it influence over others? Is it national GDP? Is it equality? Is it freedom of speech? Is it absence of mental issues? How do we know when a nation is actually successful in what they're doing? Okay, so the question is, what, what, what defines a healthy nation? I think uh, security, healthcare, um, individual incentives, the opportunity to, you know, be free, do what you want to do uh, without imposing on anyone else's uh, liberties and uh, that's about it you know you can go down the path of uh, I think the Nordics say oh well we've got 80% happy people well what does happy mean you know everything is subjective and how, how can you define what is a prosperous nation I think what you're alluding to and what maybe Yuri was alluding to was economic success and you know what are the numbers that lie behind all these things because that's the only real measure anyone has and maybe that's the wrong measurement to have all right, big boy, I'm going to sign off with some uh, background music here. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but one of my favorite tunes recently.